Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Our guest today is Pamela Slim. She's the award-winning author of Escape from Cubicle Nation, and she's also a speaker and business consultant who's been an entrepreneur for 20 years. She's built a powerful online presence at Escape from Cubicle Nation, and that site's designed for corporate employees who want to make the shift to entrepreneur. During the last 10 years, Pamela has helped hundreds of people start successful businesses. She's a frequently quoted business expert in the national press, and today she joins us to talk about her most recent book, Body of Work, Finding the Thread That Ties Your Story Together. Welcome to the show today, Pamela. Thanks for having me. Yes, I've been excited about doing this interview, a big fan of Escape from Cubicle Nation. And now you have this new book out called Body of Work. Where did the idea for that book come from? You know, it really evolved in the work that I was doing for so many years with small business owners. I love the small business market. It's my passion. It's really the market that I love to serve the most. But I found in the 11 or so years that I've been working in the space that people were starting to get so enthusiastic, we shall say, about about working, you know, the, the whole idea of working for yourself, that they begin to act as if it's the only way in which you can be free and creative and cool and make a contribution in the world. And in my 20 years experience of being a career coach and working in many different work modes, I thought we were kind of missing the boat. And I think that it can hurt our small business market in a couple of ways. One is that people who might, you know, anybody who's worked for themselves for any length of time knows that it is not for the faint of heart, right? It requires grit and skill and flexibility and sometimes a bit of insanity and, you know, all kinds of things like that. And so it's really not the path for everybody. And I think with so many people that are talking about how fantastic it is and sometimes simplifying the process of what it takes to do it well, that people were trying it and not being successful, which totally makes sense, but then kind of slinking back to a job, you know, as if they had just were a total failure and needed to be embarrassed. And my point was really the bigger purpose of all of our work, regardless of our work mode, is creating a body of work that we're very proud of, that represents the best of who we are, that serves the people that we want to serve. And I think that can relate to both small business owners as well as folks in other work modes. Absolutely. And it's so interesting that you've made the observation about uh, people wanting to pursue their passion and start a business, maybe to find out that entrepreneurship isn't really cut out for them or because, you know, something went wrong and, and they lost the business. And so, as you put it, slink back to the corporate world. When I started working with entrepreneurs about 25 years ago, it was absolutely the opposite. Some of the entrepreneurs I worked with said, yeah, all my friends in corporate America thought I was a, you know, corporate dropout. I couldn't make it in corporate America. So I had to go create a business or a job for myself. And so it's almost a badge of shame 25, 30, 35 years ago. And now it's, it's kind of come full circle the other way that it's, it's so neat to be an entrepreneur now that if you don't work out and go back to corporate America, that's kind of a stigma. 
It's so true. And, and I think the reality of our, of our market is there's such a range of different options. People can work for nonprofit and government and academia. And we have, we have micro, we have small, medium and large business. So there's so many different ways that we could work that to me, the exciting thing is what are we creating? Really, what are we creating? And when you do work for yourself, that's the thing that's the most fun is you get to have total control over what it is that you create, of course, in relation to a market that wants to buy what it is that you have to sell. Right. And is that what you mean by the new world of work, that we have all these various options and that with throughout the course of our career, we may um, experience various ones of these options? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. I mean, I think the new world of work is, you know, I've like you, I mean, I've, I'll, I'm celebrating 20 years in business uh, on August 15th. And so and then before that, you know, having worked in corporate, I saw instability and layoffs happening very, right. very long ago. Right. So it's not like it's necessarily a new thing. But I think just with the speed of change and globalization of, you know, our national economy and so many other factors and the rise of the Internet and social media and so many more opportunities. It's just it's the kind of world that is less stable than the world of our parents or our grandparents. And and I, I don't see that as all bad. Right. I also see it as a world of opportunity where we can do many things and work in many different ways. But so many people that I talk to who are choosing to, to work for somebody else as an employee, they, they don't have that kind of feeling that, yeah, if I choose to, I could stay at this company for 10 years because the company could be acquired. They could get a new manager. They can go through layoffs, you know, outsource certain functions. So the new world of work to me has this interesting combination of, in some ways, less stability and and some real threats and things that, you know, that I know worry all of us um, in terms of issues that we're facing. But at the same time, we have tools that are unimaginable to me. I mean, even, even using something like Facebook, even us being able to do this interview on Skype, you know, I, I'm still amazed by it. I still find it totally incredible that I can sit here in Mesa, Arizona and serve clients all over the world. I think that's magnificent. And I think that is something that gives a lot of people opportunities that were simply not possible before. Oh, technology certainly has played a huge role in this new world of work, as you call it. And congratulations on the 20 years. That is a remarkable feat, by the way. Thank you. Well, you know, right? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) You've been at it longer than me. (laughs) Oh, well, not too much more, but yeah, it's, but it's fun. Wouldn't have it any other way. In this new world of work, this constant changing technology playing a huge role, people coming in and out, not just of different businesses, but different kinds of businesses. Like you say, maybe they're in self-employed, maybe they're uh, working for a not-for-profit during part of their life. And then, you know, corporate, it's so, so mixed anymore. Does traditional career advice under this kind of, under these kinds of circumstances even apply anymore? No, I, I really... I mean, there are certain foundations which I think never, ever go away. So you want to have integrity in what you do. You want to be focused on doing a great job. You know, that's, I think that's really the thing that gives you true endurance and a great brand as a business owner is where you really care about your customers and you serve people well and you believe in doing the right thing. I mean, certain advice, I think, never goes away. But 
things that really have impacted us all, I think, is the fact that people are moving around so much more and even experimenting in different businesses. I've worked with a lot of business owners that go through significant transition and change. So the way, especially that we're used to telling the stories, our own personal story about what we do doesn't really fit anymore. The metaphor that I used in Body of Work is you can imagine all of our background and experience and skills and all of that as ingredients. So you imagine you have this huge cupboard filled with all kinds of different spices. And if you try to put all of them together in one dish, you could just imagine what that would taste like, right? Chili pepper with, you know, <laughs> nutmeg with, you know, all hot pepper, all kind of random things. And so what people often try to do, the way that we were trained to tell the story about our life before that generally involved fewer moves was more of a natural linear path, right? You open a business, you grow it, you expand, you get more people. That's kind of an easy story to tell as opposed to doing many different things, branching off and having many different businesses. So I think we need a different way that we can tell the story about who we are. I actually also think it's very audience-based because I know I serve some very different kinds of audience, even in the work that I do. I work directly with business owners. I work with companies that serve the small business market. I can work now. I'm just opening up a, a small business incubator in my local uh, hometown of, of Mesa, Arizona. And now I'm, you know, interacting with people from government and, you know, local merchants associations and all that. The way that I'm going to be telling the story about who I am and what I offer is also going to be a little bit different depending upon who it is that I'm talking to. And I, I see that as a new skill because we just have done more things and things are more complex. Yeah, absolutely. And that raises another question. When there is a lot of complexity, when there's a lot of change, uh, that means that leadership is is really in demand. I mean, you need strong leaders in these kinds of environments. So what are there particular kinds of leadership skills that you see as being more valuable than others these days? Yeah, I think just in general, having good listening skills, really, that's probably the core leadership skill that I used to teach way back in the day when, you know, in my day job as, as director of training and development at Barclays Global Investors. And then when I did leadership consulting, I think great leaders really do connect and listen to who it is that they're serving to their employees and their partners and customers. And that never goes away. That's a great characteristic that you can have as somebody who is really making sure that you're paying attention to what people are saying. I think a newer skill that's really important for all of us is also just learning about how to operate in a much more diverse marketplace. I think we need to understand different people and backgrounds. I think we need to get a lot more comfortable with being uncomfortable of going outside maybe of our just traditional circles of how we've always done things because our market demographics are changing, our communities are changing. And I think that requires, you know, an expanded worldview and more connections with community building. Um, so I think those are things that are that are really important. And then just dealing, being able to make decisions and move forward amidst imperfect information and ambiguity. I mean, I think that's always been there, right? In business, but even Absolutely. more today. Right. With things moving so quickly and marketplace changes occurring, sometimes it just seems like over a matter of weeks or even less. It's, it is mind boggling at times. When we talk about these various elements of our career, where we can, again, work for various types of entities, uh, work with a vast uh, array of people. Uh, we talk about diversity. How can we find the threads that weave all of these different elements together into our story? 
Yeah, again, I think there's there are two pieces, and one of one of the pieces is just our own interpretation of our story. Generally, when you tend to look back, uh, kind of playing your life back as if it were a movie, you can begin to look and notice that there were some threads and there were some themes that had to do with you in particular when you really were at your best, you know, the kind of work that you did that really illustrate things about your story. And I'm a, really a fan of kind of laying things out visually. So one fun thing to do is to kind of break, depending upon how old you are, right? I'm going into my fifth <laughs> decade, so <laughs> I've been around a little bit longer. Um, but, you know, you can break, break your work down into maybe, you know, five to 10 year segments and begin to really look at what you did and then say, is there anything about that specific kind of work that I did that was, that was a theme, that was something that connected it. So I know for me, you know, I work with startup entrepreneurs and, and there's a lot of transformation changing from being a corporate employee to opening their own business. I was the volunteer executive director for a martial arts school in San Francisco. And there was a lot of transformation that we did of students coming in. We had a whole youth program and we worked with kids that were coming from really rough situations, kind of transforming, you know, their own experience into these amazing, powerful martial artists. Um, so I noticed as an example that in a lot of things that I had done, my earlier work in international service and development in Latin America, it was really about transforming lives and economies. And so each one of us, I think, can look and see some of the threads that just have to do with our own story. The other part of it is how is it that we're really relating that story to other people? And any great communicator, I'm, I'm a great fan of Nancy Duarte. I don't know if you know Nancy, who has a firm in Silicon Valley. She does presentation design, and she's written some wonderful books. Resonate is a great one about storytelling, and then her most recent one is called Illuminate. And she really looks at, you know, great stories have natural arcs and patterns, first of all, but preparing great stories to connect with people really has to do with you understanding who they are and what are the things that are really important to them that, and that are going to resonate with them. And sometimes when we're telling our own story, we get enamored and excited by it because it's ours. Right. <laughs> and who, who doesn't like to tell the story of, you know, of our own lives? Sure. But we might forget that depending upon who we're talking to, we may want to be illustrating different things that have relevance, you know? So for an audience that comes from a more corporate background, then I might highlight the fact that I've worked you know, with many, many different corporations, you know, often at high levels over the years. If I'm working for a little bit of a younger audience, I might mention my martial art background and kind of experience there, you know? So there's ways you can bring in unique flavor to what your story is. But I think you kind of need to do that internal reflection, looking at themes, and then you need to really think about who is that audience that you're talking to and how can you form connection? What are ways that you can really build a bridge with what's important to them and what your own experience is? Yeah, that's great advice. Audience, no matter, you know, whether you're selling, no matter, you know, what you're doing, audience, uh, keeping who that is in mind is very, very important. Uh, we're talking here with Pamela Slim, the author of Cubicle Nation and now more recently, Body of Work. Uh, we, what I want to know now, I want to go back to something we kind of started out with at this interview, and that is that some people in the startup world view all corporate work as selling out. What do you, what do you think of that? I think I know, but I mean, what do you, what do you think of that view? Yeah. You know, I, I honestly think it's, it's a, it's an unfair view because it, as a 20 year career coach, if there's one thing I know, it's that we 
individually make sense of our own experience, right? And so mm-hmm. everybody has their own reasons for being in certain environments. People can have you know, personal responsibilities where it's really important to them for health insurance reasons. They may have you know, a sick child. They may be caring for elderly parents. There sure. may be all kinds of things going on. And they may just decide that for them, they really enjoy being in a larger corporation, right? With all the resources that go into it. It's an individual decision that people make. And you can see for one person, they may have a certain set of values, which would mean they couldn't work, for example, for a company that was doing certain things that they felt was against their values, right? Maybe, you know, had an environmental impact they didn't agree with or whatever that is. But it really is an individual decision. And again, that's part of what I found that I was just getting frustrated with. And and frankly, it felt so disrespectful to me. I've always been raised and I've always really looked at work as being something that's very honorable at whatever it is that you're doing, whatever level that you're doing it. You you always want to be respectful when people are working hard to take care of their families. And so I think coming so strong with a judgment that, you know, you're only good or you're only cool if you do something, that triggers my inner rebel (laughs) where (laughs) I get very defensive, you know, and I I think of all the wonderful people that I met throughout the years that really enjoyed the work they did in corporate, you know, and the the funny thing to me, it's kind of hilarious when we can have that type of thinking that goes on within the entrepreneurial world, but then there's also a focus in growing your business and scaling. So does that mean then that when you hire other people to work for you, that the people who work for you then are selling out? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right? exactly. It, it becomes a little bit of hypocrisy right there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> with with the careers being so fluid these days, uh, what advice do you have for people who are transitioning from startup to corporate or from corporate back to uh, working in a small business? I mean, the dynamics are very different in each of those types of environments. So what advice do you have for people who w- find themselves moving between those? Yeah, it is. It is really different. And I really look at it more from an anthropological perspective, because there really can be different behaviors and norms and things that you want to observe. So if you are coming from the small business or startup world and you're going into corporate, I suggest that you really spend some time talking to people who have been there, right? Like really have recent experiences working in corporate. And you can think about, you know, having a series of questions that you could ask, you know, what have you found has been the thing that has allowed you to be the most successful, right? What are things that you might want to be aware of, you know, in a corporate environment and just get to know people who are familiar with that environment, maybe share your perspective on, the role that you're looking to take and say, you know, based on this role and what you know about my background, you know, what are some things that you think I should pay attention to? Because mm-hmm. there are obvious things where, you know, if, when you work for yourself, you're used to just making decisions instantly and having yes. lots of flexibility, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And then you might find in a corporate setting that it takes much longer. You need to build much more, um, you know, consensus for getting decisions and so forth. And then of course the converse is true. I, it's such a fun journey to, to walk with people from corporate to startup. I mean, in, in some ways, you know, we, we can get, as I've gotten many times with people, to the other side of the river, right, where they're, they're actually gone, they have a viable business, they're growing, but all of a sudden they feel so out of sorts because they don't feel that kind of structure. They're not given an annual performance plan where they know what they have to do, and sometimes all that freedom is totally overwhelming, 
Yes, yes, absolutely. And sometimes in a small business, you don't have the same support system either. Uh, if your computer breaks, uh, somebody, may, you know, the, the owner might look at you and say, deal with it because I've got to go make a sales call. You know, you can't call IT necessarily. So there's there are lots of differences like that. Um, wh- what are your thoughts on entrepreneurs and the importance of having their story together? Yeah, I think it's just the most critical thing in the world. I work with so many different groups of entrepreneurs and you always know, and and I I find myself in this place too, whenever you go through a, a transition in your business, you can immediately tell when put in front of somebody who doesn't know you and has no context of your background, how long it takes you to stumble around and say who you are and what you do and who you serve. Right. <laughs> and, and it's like, it's wonderful. I, you know, when I was just focusing on escape from cubicle nation for, you know, just mainly focusing on corporate employees who wanted to leave and start a business, it was such a simple story. We, we could meet at a networking event and somebody would say, what do you do? And I say, I, I help people in corporate jobs who want to leave and start a business. Just super simple, straightforward. And people immediately say either, oh, okay, that's cool. Or, Uh, Oh, I know somebody or, Hey, that's me. I really want to do it. You know, let's talk further. Whereas when you're in a transition of figuring out something new, that's where you can feel yourself probably using far more words and stumbling around. And all that it means when you think of all that really the foundation to me of having a business that can be amplified is having people really understand who you are and what you do. A good friend of mine, Greg Head, he used to be the VP of marketing at Infusionsoft, a local company here. And he's so passionate about helping people define their category because he says, and brain science actually supports this, like we have this tendency, we need to be able to kind of put people in a category, right? Like, let me figure out who are you? You know, where do you work? Who do you serve? And when we know that, it helps us understand Um, you know, what you do to make a connection, but also how to refer you. So if you're spending 20 minutes trying to explain in a super complex way what you do, people's eyes tend to glaze over. They don't identify themselves as potential customers, or they don't identify people in their network as potential customers. And that always will come back to bite you. Yeah. Okay. Big question here. Anytime you talk about life purpose, you know, where you're getting, you're getting big there, but with all of the change that you talk about, and and I mean, I even think about people who are coming out of school right now that just, they don't have a clue what they want to do. Sometimes they're overwhelmed by the opportunity in front of them and, and they may be very bright people and to have to choose one thing just seems so limiting. Uh, They feel a lot of pressure to get it right, uh, you know, right there at the age of 22. Do you think that it's important uh, that you have to know or find your life's purpose before you can choose a business or a career? I really don't. I don't think I believe in the idea that there is one singular life purpose and there's one thing that we do. It's another huge reason why I wrote Body of Work, because my, my definition of your body of work is everything that you create, contribute, affect, and impact throughout the course of your life. And the reality is, you know, who I was at 20, who you were at 20 is very different than who we are in 50 and beyond. Absolutely. And we can do different things at different times in our life. We're going to be energized and excited to be focusing on different areas. So I've also found as a career coach that some people are more wired to have an inherent sense about what they would identify as a singular life purpose. And that's always great. I'm always like, if that's 
how you feel and you've always kind of seen that from the time you were really little, that's fantastic. You know, my dad's a photographer. He's been a photographer for over 50, you know, probably 60 years now. He's still doing freelance photography at 81. And, you know, he still has a massive passion for that profession. He's grown, he's evolved the work that he's done through time, but he's an example of somebody I think that does kind of have that love and that passion. Many, many other people are not wired that way. So what I find in talking to a lot of young folks, because I love working with younger people, is thinking that they need to have a singular purpose and they need to find it before they decide to do stuff completely gets in their way. Instead, I suggest, what is something that you're excited about building? You know, is there something that you would be excited, it would be exciting to be part of? Is there a project that would be fun to do? Do you want to be involved in a startup? Do you want to learn how to build an app? Do you want to be part of a nonprofit organization and, and work on, you know, some big new initiative. That is something that people can get their arms around by having experience with it. And by doing that work, that does become part of your body of work and your experience. But then you can learn, do you want to do more of it or less of it? And it's really a constant process of kind of shifting and adjusting. Yes, it absolutely is. Just real quickly here before we need to go, tell us about your partnership with The Quiet Revolution. What's that about? Yeah, well, I worked with Susan Kane uh, for a long time to get her Quiet Revolution up and running. And Susan's an amazing person, an author who wrote the book Quiet, which was a massive bestseller. She also has one of the top 10 TED Talks of all time, mm-hmm. which I highly recommend that people watch. And um, she is a real proponent of helping people really understand the power of introverts and the natural strengths of introverts. We really live in an extrovert biased world. And and I, myself, I'm a raging extrovert, but interestingly, I I learned through doing work with Susan, my entire family are introverts, my mom, dad, sister, and brother. So I realized how like saintly that they were to put up with me, you know, throughout my childhood, because they were all so supportive while I exhausted them with my exuberance. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I've learned is it's so important for introverts, you know, to realize that the way that we're wired is, natural and there are huge strengths. And so do not believe the bias, right? If people are constantly telling you, you need to be different than you are, you know, there's personal growth and development, which we all love to do, but fundamentally telling somebody who is more introverted, for example, that you just constantly have to be out networking with huge groups of people and you can't slow down and you can't time to, you can't take time to go into what Susan calls a restorative niche, right? Where you'll be re-energizing yourself. That's going to be a recipe for disaster. So I was so excited to do that work with Susan and I'm just a huge advocate and an ongoing supporter of that work. You can find it at uh, quietrev.com which is all kinds of great information in, in different areas in the leadership arena in parenting and education that really impacts everyone in all areas of our life. Okay. So quietrev.com. And it is amazing how many business owners I know, entrepreneurs who are introverts that you would never really realize that. But um, so quietrev.com. Pamela, where would someone go to get in touch with you if they were interested? Uh, you can find me at pamelaslim.com. And okay. that's where all my social channels and everything is there. Okay, very easy. PamelaSlim.com. You can get all of the contact information you need. Thank you so much for being on our show today to talk about body of work and uh, all of the benefits of figuring out how to tell your story. 
great, great stuff today. Thanks so much for having me. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at IThinkBigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at IThinkBigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.